it is time to get solar powered. This is the Solar Powered Podcast, and I'm Ryan Hall from Royal Hearts Coaching, royalheartscoaching.com, life and relationship coaching for kings. And we're continuing our series about tales from COVID-19 and tales from the pandemic with, um, I think, what's going to be an incredibly powerful story, a story about redemption, a story about... Um, a story about reconnection, about transformation, and I think just really something that I think a lot of listeners are going to get a lot of value of because there's a, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of power, in just kind of um, really owning exactly who you are, and being able to, I guess, remember who. Um, you know, really remember what's important and just really remembering what makes you you. And I've got an incredibly powerful guest joining us here today. Her name is Dr. Barbara Milton. She is a, uh, she is a social worker, professor, um, and uh, a really powerful story. And I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Barbara Milton to the Solar Powered Podcast. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Ryan. So, thank you very much for having me. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, first question I always ask of my guests is, "Who is Barbara Milton?" Ah, uh, love that question, and I'll try to do it in less than two hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of parts of who I am. But so, why should just sit back and make a sandwich here? Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Just chill out a little bit, come on the ride, you know? All right. Um, all right. I, I, I am more than what I do. What I've done all my life is I've been a social worker, um, and I have a passion for social work. I was introduced to social workers at a very young age because of uh, uh, family issues in my life. Um, and what I like to say is who I am is a person who, uh, uh, walks this earth believing in, uh, sort of, uh, beauty, believing in, uh, I have very high ideals about, uh, the goodness in the world. Uh, I like to put goodness into the world. Um, I am a tenacious advocate for, um, uh, against uh, tyranny and against oppression and for social justice and equality. That's a lot of the stuff I've gotten from my upbringing as an African-American woman um, who comes from a family who was a teenage mother who was born and raised in a segregated South Jersey in the 1940s uh, to a family that was in abject poverty. Um, who had extreme difficulty, excuse me, extreme dignity uh, in the face of such adversity. It's uh, what's in my blood is um, uh, sort of a culture of people who experienced challenges and overcame challenges. Um, I, you mentioned, and I see social work as sort of a pathway for doing that. So that's why I am a social worker. Um, I, uh, you mentioned a uh, redemption and mentioned a story about uh, a project that I'm working on and uh, the project that I'm working on is a book about my mother who I recently lost who succumbed to Alzheimer's disease um, and this is the story of as I said a a teenage mother 
born to poverty, who had a lot of unresolved uh, issues in her own life, traumas and other difficulties um, that actually um, made for a very difficult childhood in my life. Uh, essentially, I was an unwanted child. Um, uh, my mother, I believe I was the product of a rape. And, um, and that really colored the relationship uh, that I had in my own childhood. Um, when you think of childhood, you think of very happy times. My mother's childhood was not happy. My childhood was not happy. Uh, my childhood uh, landed me in front of uh, social workers and counselors um, because I didn't have the skills or the knowledge or the understanding uh, about how to deal with a mother who was in such pain. And, um, and thank God for the mental health workers and the social workers who gave me some of the skills uh, to be able to go on to be uh, a very uh, high achieving student, uh, to find uh, joy and study, to, to keep hope in my heart, uh, to land uh, and, and, and create sort of a different trajectory for my life. Um, but there's definitely casualties in poverty. There's casualties in racism. There's ca ca casualties in inequality in this country. And we're, at the time that you and I are talking, we're seeing a lot of this manifesting in the outer world with this dual crisis we're experiencing right now with uh, uh, both the COVID-19 uh, pandemic as well as the civil unrest we're experiencing in our country. Um, and I, I understand that. I understand both streams of this. So, um, uh, so anyway, my book is an attempt to, with my mom anyway, is an attempt to tell the story about a, a relationship that was a difficult relationship um, as an only child, um, getting a phone call from my mother saying, I need help, something's wrong with me. And that was not an easy call for my mother to make. Proud woman, uh, a woman who was tenacious, uh, learned to carve out a life for herself. Um, you know, she had a third grade education and still she managed to be a homeowner she managed to um, always be employed. Um, uh, she, she, uh, my mother could have been a pro. She could have been a pro. She could have been a pro bowler. She could have been a pro, uh, believe it or not, a roller derby star. She could have been a pro female wrestler. She could have been anything she wanted to, if not for the circumstances and the times that she grew up in. Kind of a larger-than-life personality, huh? She was, and I didn't know that about her until I had this beautiful experience of taking on uh, the role of caring for her in what became the last stages of her life, Ryan. Um, wow. She had such enormous potential, as all children have. And then the, the, you know, the way that systemic oppression and racism and hardships just pound that out of you and, and robs you of that joy and hope. Uh, it's such a brutal and cruel reality for so many uh, children, uh, which is why I launched myself into a world of working to uh, be a healer and working to work with young people to help restore hope, to help help kids uh, reach their dreams and reach their potential as a, as a clinical social worker for uh, and a social worker for all my working life. Um, but like... Um, Writing this story for my mom, uh, as she succumbed, she was on the pathway to succumbing from Alzheimer's, because that's what Alzheimer's does. I mean, it is a very long goodbye. That's what Alzheimer's is. Yeah. Um, no cure, 
Um, it's just a worsening, worsening robbery of, 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 of your loved one. Um, and yeah I, yeah, I mean, I saw it firsthand. My grandfather was a just an incredibly powerful, charismatic man in his prime was a, uh, you know, was a singer, was on the radio, was a you know manager of people. And just to see the long goodbye is just he had Alzheimer's before he passed away about 12 years ago. And that was just it was really rough to see. It yes. really was rough to be with. Yes, absolutely. And they, and you know, like I, 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 I could see it all the time in my mother. She had an awareness in the beginning of it that she was losing her memory and her mind. And like, you know, the agitation that happens, the, the volatile emotional things that happen uh, with uh, people who are uh, in the throes of Alzheimer's dementia. Um, uh, you can understand why that is. I mean, it is, it is no fun knowing you're losing your mind. Um, and my mother was fighting it. Like I said, she was a fighter. And um, uh, it, it, it did not sit well with her that she couldn't remember uh, where the keys were or house numbers or what she ate or, um, uh, you know, when she... You know, while she had the awareness of it, certainly, and then for and then mm -hmm. after after a certain period, of course, there is no awareness. But um, she fought it very hard, and it was very hard to see her um, uh, decompensate like that. Okay. But our okay. challenge, the challenge for me and my mom, was how does someone where we didn't have the closest uh, bond and the closest relationship, how do how do how do you show up for someone who's in need like that when that's what it was like before? The, the disease came into the picture. And that was really the challenge I was presented with. And, um, and of course, you know, uh, you, you make a decision and you, and my decision was to come from a place of, uh, initially it was like duty is the best word to describe it. Like she had no one else and um, I needed to be there for her. But what I got from the process and what the, the book I'm writing is all about is how um, caregiving became the vehicle and Alzheimer's became the vehicle for this opportunity for my mother and I to form a bond that we never had in our lives. It was a bond around trusting. It was a bond around surrendering. It was a bond around, for the first time, love like real love and care and uh, reliance and surrender and, um, and redemption and to move us from the pain that we had in, in our past to, to the dignified place and the place of love uh, at the time of her passing was a beautiful, beautiful transformational experience. And it's a gift that um, she gave me and that will stay with me for the rest of my life. So that's the, you know, so, so writing, having that experience, uh, sharing this experience with the world when I, when this book comes out in the next few months, um, uh, I hope will be helpful to people who uh, are in similar places with their loved ones uh, who have to assume roles of caregiving. Like, how do you push through? How do you push through to get to that place? Because you can't care for someone if your heart isn't right. Yeah. It, it, won't, it won't provide for a quality caring. Um, and I couldn't just be 
there in the flesh and not be with her in the spirit and in with my emotions in the right place. And that's the gift I got from caring for my mother. And it was a healing for me. It was a healing for her. And I hope that uh, when people read it, they'll be inspired by our story um, should they be faced with a similar situation in their life. Um, you, know, you, know, my, uh, you know, my grandfather, uh, who I shared about, my, he and my dad did not have a great relationship for many, many years. But I think that, you know, kind of seeing him, seeing my dad and my, my grandfather, his dad, you know, relating on a little bit deeper level, kind of towards the end, even in sort of the, uh, you know, even as sort of the, as the disease, the Alzheimer's disease was just raging out of control, mm -hmm. was a really powerful moment for me to witness. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and like I have it that uh, I mean, my dad passed several years ago, but I have it that that was the like the first moment that he ever really saw his father for the man that he was and not just the, you know, kind of the, you know, broken, shattered relationship that they had developed over the years. Mm, yeah, wow. And, and I could see that through a grandson's eyes, how uh, powerful that is to witness that. And, and, and I can relate to the feeling of it being such a beautiful feeling as a person who experienced it. And, um, and I hope, uh, you know, you would hope that others could get to that place as well. I mean, death's a very interesting thing. I mean, lots of, lots of, lots of things happen in those, uh, or the potential for things to happen in those weeks prior to a loved one's passing um uh, uh exists you know i mean i hear about it all the time bedside uh conversions bedside uh uh, uh amends and, and and that sort of thing uh people getting right before they in relationships before they pass on and i mm -hmm. i i had that experience and i'm so grateful for it i mean i think the alternative to that like i mean not to say that my mother that everything got resolved between me and my mother before she passed away because I mean, like, I still don't know who my father is. I mean, this is a secret she took to her grave with her, you know? And believe you me, I tried to get the answer to that question, you know? Wow. Um, uh, so, but you know, so some things will go to the grave with our loved ones, but to have that, you know, just to have a little closure and a little, uh, and a little uh, shift and change in the resentment, like the letting go of the resentments and the angers of the past so that you could be fully present with your loved one in that moment. It was a very uh, precious, precious gift that I received. And I, and I think we, we all, I hope others get that as well. Um, right. Yeah, it's quite a feeling. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And it's a really powerful testimony to just how, um, like how I would say, just you know it's like the old earth wind and fire song um the the line from the their song mighty mighty mm. in your heart lies all the answers to the mm. truth you can't run from mm. and yes. yeah i mean that i think that to me just that kind of you know being able to make that kind of connection even through some of your trip you know trials and tribulations 
um, you know, health-wise and the like, to be able to make that reconnection with her on such a deep level is just, I think, is going to make one hell of a compelling book. Oh, thank you for saying that. And I think, look, everything about me has been sort of a, it's connected to my mother, you know? Like, the reason I was a social worker is connected to my mother, right? Uh, both because I, I needed a social worker in my life, but also because of our story. And I, I said, I am going to make a commitment in my life to working against oppression. And I'm going to make a commitment in my life to uh, reorder resources in our country so that we end suffering for people on the margins. Like that was because of growing up in my family. Um, that I, 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 the qualities, before writing this book, if I wrote this book six years ago, it would be a book about anger, resentment. It would be a book that would have a lot of pain in it. Um, but because I had this experience with my mother, I am now writing a book where I could say, one of the new ways I see myself is I see all of the positive attributes that my mother deposited into me. Not just the attributes that I used to run from, like, oh my God, I'm going to be mean. Oh my God, I'm just, you know, I'm going to... Uh, uh, you know, be depressed, right? Some of these qualities that I inherited that were like stances for survival in my, in, in my younger life. Um, but through this process, I now look in the mirror and I say, oh my God, my sense of humor, even my appearance now looks so much more like my mother. Uh, my, my, my outgoingness, that was my mom. Like I got to see her with the best, more clear eyes over the last five years of her life, and more acutely in the last year of her life, when I saw who she truly was, a generous, warm, funny, kind, uh, big-spirited person uh, with a tenacious work ethic, with a very strong moral center, what's right and wrong, uh, who had a lot of love in her. Uh, she, and when she was reduced to just that essence from this disease in the last year of her life, I would say. And I got to witness that bright light of hers. I can now look in the mirror and see that light in myself and say, ah, I know where it came from now. That's my mother. My joy is my mother. This love is, is my mother. And I never had that feeling before. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that was. Wow. So um, I, I, I said this when I eulogized her and it hit me it hit me really hard when I eulogized her. Um, and I, I said this line, I now know I'm the apple and she was my tree. I never had that experience before, you know? Um, so while it was hard and, uh, you know, uh, my book is lays out, there's a chapter in my book called the, the village because I had to summons an enormous amount of resources and uh, services, people and a collection of doctors and, and then family and friends, like all, all that I needed to get me through this very challenging process of inheriting someone's full life and taking it over. When you have your own life and my life in the midst of battling cancer. So I needed a village to help move me and my mother through this journey uh, uh, until her, from her, that first call to her final resting place. And uh, uh, what a gift that was. 
to 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 be able to um to be able to pull all that together and make it through. Uh, but that's what love would do for you, you know. Yeah. Love would get you through. Um, yeah, I'm. You know, there's there's one it, during that last share, and I just got chills as you as you were sharing that. But during that last share, the word miracle kept coming up in my mind is that this, you know, this redemption, this reconnection was a true miracle. I mean, you were able to, you know, you were able to see her in a, in a, in a completely different light because she was a kid when she became a mother mm -hmm. herself. Yeah. And, um, you know, you were able to see that she was somebody who was doing the best that she could. And you were able to actually remove the kind of your own mask from how you saw her to be able to see her for her truth and her essence. And that's just, you know, that's just got to be one gift that, you know, just a precious gift that not only will you take to your grave, but I would say beyond your grave when, you know, when this book comes out. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you, um, you know, I'm gonna give a shout out to social work training because um, I understood uh, in my very first few social work courses in the, in the early 19, uh, in, uh, 1970, in the late 70s, that um, I began to understand my mom was doing the best she could. And then as I went on to become a clinical social worker, I mean, I really understood it much better. I mean, you know, understanding someone's pain is one thing, putting yourself in, um, in, 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 you know, <laughs> putting yourself in a position to be inflicted with that pain is another thing. So part of our story in the past was we avoided each other a lot, right? Cause it was hurtful, you know? Um, sure. But I got it intellectually and I, and I had for a long time, but to, to be able to be in her presence and to show up with her and, and, and to not have those daggers and darts and the meanness and the hurtfulness for both sides now, cause I had pain too, right? I mean, it's transactional. It wasn't just all my mom, of course, you know. Uh, we were both doing the best we can, but to, to, be, to, not, to, to, to be free of that for the last year of her life, oh, my God, what a gift, like you said. And that is something I will treasure for the rest of my life. It is what's fueling my spirit right now as I take on these uh, other battles in my life. I'm fighting cancer. I've been fighting cancer since 2012. I was uh, uh, very, I have bladder cancer in 2016. I lost one kidney to it. 2018, I, I, the cancer showed up in my other kidney. And uh, I have been the recipient of not just this miracle and transformation with my mother, uh, but I also have been gifted the miracle of a clinical trial at Sloan Kettering that has kept my kidney in my body right now. I was, I was a day away from losing my kid, my only other kidney. I was literally scheduled for the surgery to have my bladder taken out, my kidney taken out, to, be, to go on to uh, dialysis uh, for an uncertain amount of time. Um, and somehow I got this ping on my telephone about a clinical trial that was happening uh, using the chlorophyll of the wisteria plant <laughs> uh, okay. to kill my specific kind of tumors in my kidney. 
And then when I began to trace who was doing this innovative vascular therapy, chlorophyll treatment, it ended up being that same doctor who took my kidney out in 2016. What a miracle that was. Oh and I reconnected with doc that doctor. I was in his office within 10 days time. The surgery that I was gonna have was canceled. I started the trial with him. I had these injections into my body of this chlorophyll. And then when that chlorophyll laced blood landed in the kidney where all the tumors were at, this urologist met that blood with a laser and zapped those tumors and killed those tumors. And right now today, as I'm talking to you, I have no cancer in my kidney. Um, and that was just a straight up miracle. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wake up every morning in such gratitude. I wake up for the gratitude. I wake up with gratitude about uh, having had this beautiful end of life experience with my mother. I go to her grave a couple times a week and I just sit with her and it's just all love. I'm sitting with her in love. And I wake up in the morning in the mornings and I put my hand over the left side of my, my body and I feel my body and I go, my God, I have this kidney still. I'm not on dialysis. Um, I still have bladder cancer, but you know, I've been dealing with this bladder cancer since 2012. And every 90 days they put a scope inside of me. They look, they search for bladder cancer cells and tumors. They take them out. We treat me and then I move on. So I said this to you before. I basically have been living life in 90 day spurts. Every 90 days you do this procedure, get the tumors out, get you safe, go on and live your life. And that's, you know, so that's where I'm at right now. Back to that 90 day, every 90 day living. And in those 90 days with my mother's love fueling me and my heart, with a reconnection to her love, with a reconnection to a power much greater than myself. I just want to do good in the world. I mean, that's what social work training is too, is to yeah. put good into the world, put good into the world. Um, and uh, that good led me to you, Ryan. And I, I so appreciate this connection to you through our mutual friend, Liz, as we're writing a, a chapter about like, how do we get through this pandemic? Like, how are we getting through? And um, you know, I'm getting through because of faith. I'm getting through because of, of love. Uh, and I'm getting through because I stay connected to uh, uh, the source, the source of love and the, and, and the people that I love and care about. And we're getting through this one day at a time. So, one day at a time. Indeed. A Indeed. Time. And none of us are doing it alone either. No, we are not. And we can't do it alone. We cannot do it alone. No, nope. yeah. it's not. It's not possible. And yeah, uh, yeah our, our our mutual friend Liz Hill, who was a guest a, a few episodes ago, who's putting together just this phenomenal book about, you know, the tales from COVID nineteen about how we're all getting through this in a more powerful and in a more, um, you know, in a more resilient way. And mm -hmm. You know, it's just really, it's just incredibly powerful to me to be able to make these kind of connections, to be able to get these kind of stories out there, because I, you know, I have it that, 
these particular, you know, these stories are like, you know, are like water to people out in the desert. I mean, mm -hmm. people really need to read these kind of stories and to be able to feel these kind of stories. Yeah, and I think that's what's so pop, you know, just so powerful about your story, my story, and everybody who I've had, you know, who I've had in on this program in connection with this book. Yeah, I love I love being soul soul R. I mean, right on. I just love <laughs> your focus. I mean, and thank you for saying this that R word is resilience because that's what it's all about: getting over adversity moving through bouncing back i mean that's what it's all about because life is life we're just having life you know and uh, you got to live life on life's terms and uh look i'm disabled uh i can't walk longer than 10 yards but hey that's okay uh, mm -hmm. i basically have to be tethered to um the facilities you know because uh with some of my urology problems in my bladder can but that's okay that's not the end of the story the story you know, and I, and I gave up my private practice, but that's not the end of the story. Resilience is I continue to have this amazing life despite yeah. all of that. So I can't do private practice right now. I'm not able to do that, but I do a television show on public access TV. It's called the Dr. Milton Social Work Show, where I still get to do what I love. I get to talk about social work. I get to talk about social work issues. I get to have a, put my two cents out there into the world. I have a YouTube channel. People can check that out if they'd like to. It's Dr. Milton LCSW uh, is the YouTube channel. And uh, I, I, you know, I get to have these, to do these exciting projects because there's, you know, I'm, I'm on my back a lot and there's a lot I could do while on my back. You know, I got the laptop <laughs> there and I'm writing away. I got a pad of paper and I'm writing away. And so I'm creating. And I think when you, the source, the source, when you're feeding your soul, when you're focused on love, then the creativity comes burgeoning out. And that's where I'm at right now. I want to write. I want to create uh, uh, informational pod, uh, excuse me, uh, videos for people uh, through YouTube. Uh, I'm working on a chapter in this book and we just talked about there's another book project I'm working on it's around uh, my dissertation which I did in 2009 and that book was about inherited resilience like what black families got from our ancestors you know their overcoming story and how we can import that cultural wisdom and apply it today so that we have uh, food for the soul of the young of black youth to give them hope, to help them realize their dreams. That's a Amen. book I've been wanting to write since 2009, and I'm now starting to uh, see that there's a pathway for me to do that. It's strategies to save black youth lives. And the, and the only other thing I wanna just uh, say that, you know, um, Dr. King said about, you know, the, mar the arc of the moral universe is long and it bends toward justice, uh, but it doesn't bend on its own. Uh, that arc bends when we bend it. And I want it to bend toward progress. I want it to bend toward a future where all of us, as Dr. King would say, all God's children, black ones and white ones, every God's, all God's children, that we're equal. We're equal and we have equality to live the lives that we all are entitled to live. But we have to bend the arc. And so while I, uh, in this era of COVID, I am not going out 
and um, exposing myself as a person with cancer and immune system uh, to marches and rallies. But I figured out a way to, to get in with that as well. And uh, my wife and I um, are organizing a caravan uh, where you can be in the comfort of your own car. It is a Black Lives Matters Get Out the Vote caravan where the third of every month, we're gonna encourage people to get in their cars, just passively, safely, ride around your neighborhood, put a note on your car that says, uh, equality matters, you know? Put a note on your call that says Black Lives Matter. Put a note on your car that says end oppression, end racism. Put a note on your car that says vote. Because uh, we, we're in a climate right now where, um, you know, um, we, 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 we need change. We need change. We need to bend the arc of the moral universe toward progress. So the way my wife and I can do it is to get in our car and put a message on it and ride around our neighborhood. And let's see if people can see the message that uh, all Black Lives Matter and we have to end racism in this country, the biggest original sin. And, and that our voice matters. It matters at the polls, it matters in general. So I wanted to also share that with your audience. Uh, you, may you. Choose, you may choose to do it differently um, and, and that's fine. But the point is, is our voice matters and taking a stand matters, and magic doesn't bend the art, we arc, we have to bend it. It, take, it. it takes work, it takes elbow grease. You know, as yes. you were saying, we're just about out of time here, but as you were saying that, I got, uh, you know, I flashed on the, uh, on the famous quote by the late Ram Das, uh, we're all just walking each other home. That's right, yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. My pleasure. It's been a true privilege to uh, have you on the program here. How can people find you online? Yeah, they can find me at YouTube, uh, the Dr. Milton Social Work Show. Uh, it's Dr. Milton LCSW. That's the name of the channel. Okay. And you'll be able to find me there and there's contact information there as well. Beautiful. And we'll, uh, and we'll include links to all of that in the show notes below. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Barbara. It's been a true privilege. Thank you so much for having us on today, uh, for joining us here today. And that'll just about do it for this episode of the Solar Powered Podcast, a presentation of Royal Hearts Coaching. For more information about Royal Hearts Coaching, just visit my website at royalheartscoaching.com. You can follow me on social media at Ryan Hall Writes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can just send me a good old-fashioned email at ryan at royalheartscoaching.com. But we thank you so much for joining us here in the Solar Powered Podcast. Until we meet again, this is Ryan Hall saying thank you so much for listening. So long for now. I love you all and go get solar powered right after you wash your hands and put on a mask.